Grace, mercy, and the peace of our Lord be with you this day. Amen. This video looks a little strange because I'm darker than the background, but the reason that I wanted to do that is because I'm recording this message um, uh, more than three weeks before you'll see it in worship on July 24th. I'm recording this on July 1st. And the water behind me, and the reason that I wanted you to be able to see that instead of me, is the Sea of Galilee. While on the journey of following the footsteps of Jesus, the tour of the Holy Land, I wanted to record a message on site. And I wondered where I would do that. One of my concerns was background noise, and I wanted to be in front of something that would be visible, that would make sense for the story, that would enhance maybe kind of what we're talking about um, in the message. And then God gave me this, uh, a hotel room where out the window, we can see the Sea of Galilee this morning while the sun was coming up because that way is east. The sun rose right over this water and it was absolutely spectacular. We're in the town of Tiberias, which is on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. And this water, this body of water right here uh, was a center point for a lot of Jesus' ministry. What the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke in particular record is time that Jesus spent in the Galilee area. And this body of water, um, as we talk about this today, was important in Jesus' life and in his ministry. We've seen on or near the Sea of Galilee just in the last 36 hours some amazing things. North from here is the town of Capernaum, and it was there that Jesus had the center of his ministry. He relocated there from Nazareth, where he had grown up, and there he, we find Peter's Peter's house or Peter's mother mother-in-law's house, depending on um, how you look at it. But uh, it was there that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. There's a synagogue there. Um, archaeology has discovered a lot of of the town of Capernaum now. Not far from there is an area called Tag Tabga, and it was there that it's believed that uh, Jesus took the loaves and the fish and broke them and distributed them to the people. Um, there was a church built on a stone where Jesus may have prepared breakfast in John 21 is that story where uh, the disciples were out on the water. This is after Jesus has risen and maybe they didn't know what to do. So Peter and six other disciples uh, went out on a boat and they toiled all night and caught nothing. And Jesus told them, you know, put the net down on the other side. And then they came and had breakfast with Jesus. And it was there that Jesus was asking Peter, do you love me? There's the Mount of Beatitudes not far from here where it's possible that Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount. Magdala, a first century synagogue, has been discovered, and they know it's first century from the coins that were found in the ruins. Coins that ranged in dates up to about, um, I think it was in the 60s AD, prior to the destruction of the temple. And it's an area they believe that just got abandoned when um, persecution was coming and people just fled. And they left it, so there was no need to destroy it. And as a result, the just years and earthquakes or mudslides or whatever buried it. And it's only recently, about 13 years ago, 
been discovered and unearthed and just amazing thing to see. But here we are in front of this water where Jesus called his disciples somewhere along the sea. Walking along the edge of the water, he saw men in boats and he called Peter, James and John and Andrew who were fishermen to follow him and they left their nets and followed Jesus. Along this body of water, Jesus taught from a boat. There were crowds on the land and Jesus got in the boat so that they could hear. Sound carries across the water and actually just a few minutes ago, there was a boat just down the way a little bit that had a very loud stereo playing. So I wasn't actually sure I was gonna be able to start this recording. And if it comes back, I may have to do part one and part two, we'll see. But Jesus also walked on this same water, stepped into the, or Peter got to step out of the boat and onto the water and for a few moments walked on the water as well. The sight of the Gerasenes where Jesus cast demons out of the man and into the herd of pigs is across on the other side. And if you can kind of see just above the horizon, there's some brownish hills in the distance. The other side, a, a Gentile territory. And so um, it was crossing from there. Oh, and now the light adjusted, but if I touch the screen again, you'll be able to see a little bit better. Um, crossing from there after that is when we find Jesus coming back um, and the, the calming of the sea. I've always pictured the Sea of Galilee a bit bigger than this. Um, I knew it was a lake and I could see on the map that it wasn't that big. But to be here next to it and to see the other side and realize that's somewhere between five and seven miles across uh, where we see those hills. But I've always pictured it larger and I think one of the reasons for that is the story that we read about the, the storm that happened and the distress of the disciples. In 1985, I was on the edge of Lake Michigan and we were there on a family vacation, uh, staying at a place called Camp Arcadia, a Lutheran family camp. And there's a beach right there next to the, next to the camp. And we were out on the beach uh, for a day and it was okay, it was fun, but it wasn't that great. And um, that night there was a storm out on Lake Michigan, not close to us, we didn't hear the storm, we didn't, um, weren't affected while we were at the camp by the storm. But the following day, the waves that were reaching the edge of Lake Michigan were significant. Um, probably, you know, six or eight foot waves. Much more fun for a teenager to uh, enjoy the following day. So I think I've always pictured the Sea of Galilee more like one of the Great Lakes because it was, you know, the storm had waves that would be big enough to create problems for the disciples. The windstorm came down on the lake, and that's what verse 23 tells us. We see a lake this size with water that's relatively calm, and I wondered how. How would, would it be that a storm could arise that would create that kind of problem? So we asked our guide about that, and he described that the Golan Heights, which are not far on the other side of the sea, um, at the top of that, the air can be fairly cold, maybe 20 degrees, but the temperature at this sea level or the level of this lake, which is actually below sea level, um, about 600 feet below sea level, can be what we experience today, 80 or 90 or 100 degrees. From living in Oklahoma, 
I know that when hot air and cold air meet, it can create, well, there, a tornado. Anywhere, it can create a wind or a storm that could blow. When the storm is coming, it can be um, our sole focus on what's about to happen, what might take place. In 2010, living in Oklahoma, there was a tornado that was coming, and they told us for a couple of days the conditions would be right for a significant tornado because the hot air in the in the center of that state and the storm front that they saw coming from a ways away, the conditions would likely generate tornadoes. Drew was really small at that time. And so while we prepared ourselves, we talked about what would happen. What would happen if there was a storm? What would happen if somehow we got separated? We heard stories of that happening with children and so we were prepared to write our names and addresses in, in his name on his body with like a Sharpie so that he could be identified, you know, should something happen and, and someone needed to know who he was. We prepared our, our home. We gathered some things and put them in the center of our house. There was a closet that um, kind of wrapped around a shower stall and that was where there were no windows. And so because the storm was coming, that was our, our sole focus. When the storm's raging, it can take all of our energy and all of our thoughts. But Jesus was sleeping. He got under the boat and he sat in the back and fell asleep on a cushion. Well, this afternoon, after being in the Galilee area, we've experienced the heat. We had a bit of a break in our schedule this afternoon. Most of our days on this tour are gonna to go from fairly early in the morning till almost dinner time, as we wanna see and experience as much as possible. But we saw everything up and around the kind of northern edge of the Sea of Galilee that we're going to do. And so this afternoon we had some time. So we rested and Paula and I both napped at least a little bit this afternoon. And so when you've been out in the heat, maybe had some activities, maybe you've been out on the water or been to the beach in the heat and resting after that is, uh, feels really good. So that's where Jesus was while the disciples were noticing the wind and noticing the, the sea starting to get rough and noticing that waves were coming over the side of the boat, Jesus was taking a rest. When there are problems in our lives, our reaction can be to panic. At least four of the disciples had fishing experience. Those four men had been out on this water in fishing boats. So the question is, were they experienced enough that they would have avoided being out in a boat that day altogether? Maybe they could tell from the weather that there's going to be a storm, but Jesus was on his way to the other side, and so that's where they were going as well. Or in that storm, was it very unique to them so that something they hadn't ever experienced or was it not the four fishermen disciples it was other disciples who were waking up Jesus in a bit of a panic while maybe those four disciples were feeling okay that we can't answer but for us sometimes we have problems and we might panic as well the solution that they had was to wake Jesus 
And what we notice in the text is that first thing Jesus did was he took action. He rebuked the wind and the raging waves. That's what verse 24 tells us. And there was calm. There's calm on the water, and maybe the surface of the water looks like it looks now, where there's a ripple from some breeze blowing, but not waves, not a storm, not a problem. That was the first thing that Jesus did. But then there was the question that shows up in verse 25. Where is your faith? I think that would be a hard question to be asked, especially if you've just woken the one who was going to calm the storm. You knew where to turn. You knew where to look for help. Why is he asking that question? Well, faith can be hard when we're afraid. When we've been struck with fear, faith can be a difficult thing for us. When we're facing problems, faith can be a hard thing for us. When we feel threatened, we can be challenged to be and remain faithful. It's interesting the question though, where is your faith when they've approached Jesus knowing that he's the one that could calm the storm? Or are they just looking to Jesus to fix the problem when maybe they didn't necessarily believe what he would do or that he could do it? But it's followed with their question. Who is this? That he commands even the wind and the waves. Who is this one who we've just seen do a lot of things, a lot of miracles, healings? We've heard him teach We've heard him preach, but who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Our faith. As we look at this story today, our faith points to Jesus. And in times of our lives, we hope and we desire that our faith would continue to point us to Jesus, the one who calms our storms, the one who can give us peace, the one who can heal us, the one who can give us life. That's who Jesus is. So be calm. Be still and know that he is God. Psalm 46 verse 1 tells us. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And that's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. From Psalm 121 verse 4 he neither slumbers nor sleeps. See, Jesus isn't asleep. Jesus isn't unaware of what's going on in our lives this day. We probably don't have storms and wind when we're in a boat today. But most of us, many of us, will experience some kind of challenge to our faith. Maybe not today, but certainly sometime. We can always turn to our God because God is with us. He acts on our behalf. Where is your faith? It's in the one who walked on that water, on that water. The one who calmed the sea right here. The one who healed sicknesses, who turned some loaves and fish into food for 5,000. And another time for 4,000, not far away on the other side of the sea. 
Our faith is really in the one who rose from the dead. As a tour, we're going to visit more sites along the way and have more opportunity to experience the footsteps of Jesus. But for all of us, we can walk in the footsteps of the one who calmed the storm. And in our lives, we can understand and believe that he can give us peace. Peace in the storms of our lives. Peace that lasts. Peace that passes all understanding. Now may he guard our hearts and minds from now and to eternity. Amen.